Hello and welcome to Glitch Keyboard Gaming Podcast. And each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us once again as we dive further into the world of games. This week we are doing it. Last week we talked about our honorable mentions. Uh, a lot of since there's been so many amazing titles coming out this year. Uh, then we had to have a whole episode on games that needed to be talked about but did not quite hit that game of the year status that everybody is looking for at this time. You know, it's the end of December, of course, right? In the game of the war or video game awards just passed by, and you know, it's this is what everybody's doing, so we're doing it too. <laughs> so we have our top games of the year. Uh, I don't know if we'll, I wonder, maybe we can try and like list off a game that we both think is just the number one game in total, but our lists are very different. So I'm very curious to see how this is going to go, but I have my top three available. I know you got some games that you want to discuss too. So let's just jump right into this guy. Um, maybe we can start off with one that we talked about a long time ago. Uh, it feels like forever ago at this point, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm very surprised when you're looking back, it's like, oh yeah, this did come out in, in 2023, uh, but this came out January 19th. So it was one of the first games to come out in 2023. Uh, and that is A Space for the Unbound. This is definitely one of my top three games this year. This has been such an amazing title to play through. From the graphics, which I adored, the story was just so well done, the character development, just everything about this title, I absolutely loved. It was so much fun to play through, and I'm just very happy that I actually played through the entirety of it. Um, where it went was amazing. Like the the ending was just so impactful, uh, and this was one of those games that you know, it really tugged at your heartstrings. Like this felt like such a real story. And I loved the ending of it wasn't the classic trope of, you know, just a, a girl that needs help and only the man can help, right? So it it was a really strong, impactful the way to do it. And I, it just this is the way it talks about depression and being different and just how to like move past all that. There's so much baked into this title that was just such a joy to play through. I adored this one. Uh, gosh, I, yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to play through it again now. I mean, I feel like it's been so long since I played it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, when I first played it, I was like, I feel like this is going to be on my top list. Like, I think it will be, like, up there. And throughout the year, like, I would kind of think about it randomly because it was just, the, the story is so impactful, mm-hmm. right? There's so many bits and pieces of it with so many different characters that you kind of get to learn and get to know. So it's like every little person can be somewhat relatable for different people. Mm -hmm. And every time I beat a game this year, I was always thinking back to it. Like, was this better than space for the unbound? Like, right. It's weird how I was holding this game up there for like, wow, this is my favorite game so far of the year. And I think, it was that way until Dredge came out. And I was like, wow, this is the second best game I played this year that came out. And it's mm-hmm. like, it was slowly, like, I was starting to realize there were games where I'm like, wow, this is really good. This is just as good as it. But at the end of the day, it's like, nothing really came close for me. Mm-hmm. But 
the way this game handles a lot of subjects and does it in a very caring way, right? Like, we see a lot of games, well, I guess a lot of indie games are more friendly when it comes to, like, mental health and It's either they're how friendly deal. about it, they're afraid to deal with it, or they're very, like, ham-fisted with it, right? Like, they're kind of just beating your head, or beating it over your head with trying to get the point across. This one just feels like they did it justice, right? Yeah, and they they made it where it's like, oh, this person didn't just get randomly better from me giving them like a loaf of bread. Like, Mm -hmm. no, like we're going. Well, so the premise of this game is that, you know, there's certain people that you go into like their brain. It's honestly been so long since I looked into Mm -hmm. like their. I guess it's just your superpowers that you're able to go into their mind and you're seeing what is ailing them or causing the issue of like, you know, basically like these are like roadblocks in the story and you do these and they're like basically like little mini games and the way the mini games correlate to, you know, either their trauma or their problem is that it's so well done. And when you finish it, you're like, Oh my God, like it, it felt like you were actually helping someone. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because I've played a lot of indie games that kind of do this, but in different ways. And they always stick out to me, but this game did it in such a way that it just felt realistic. And I think there's more to it than that as well. Like the, the vibe of the game right it's it's set in 90s and um is it singapore i believe so. oh indonesia yeah, that's um it, so it's set in like the mid to late 90s in indonesia and it has that it's weird because you know obviously i'm from america but the playing this gave me like this weird wave of nostalgia and even though, you know, our landscape out here looks totally different than that. A part of me was like, it it made me feel connected to it. And I'm, I never really felt that way about something that doesn't look like I ever grew up there. But I'm like, man, like, it just felt so deeply cathartic, I guess, mm-hmm. when I was playing through it. And I mean, the music really helps, too. The music in this game is phenomenal. And... You know, the art style is really good. Like, it's the muted but bright colors really reminds me of, like, 90s, like, anime, like, kind of, like, color palette a little bit. Um, I felt like, I don't know why, but when I first played it, the art style kind of reminded me of, like, well, I guess Eastward more so had this style, but, like, like, I'm gonna mess up the name, but the Tinkin Concrete. Oh yeah, Tinkin Concrete. Oh god, I it, love it had that, that kind of like muted tones to it, where I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, like this kind of invokes that same feeling. Especially like watching that movie, I was like, damn, this is making me want to rewatch that. Even though there's like nothing, you know, nothing in common with it, but I'm like, it's well, they are it's weird, like, like mental health and Tekken Concrete as well. I know, but it's more of like a subdued version of it. It's more like background 
and you kind of yeah. look for it. But there's like I I love Tekken Concrete, and actually the fact that you made that connection now it makes sense that like this game does feel like that. I mean, there's a connection, there's a youthful spirit to it, and the fact that you don't just get better from you know being depressed or things like that it's not just a like you said you don't just get a loaf of bread and now everything's bright and cheery again no it's like it's something you have to work at and get better at and learn through and i feel like both of like that game and that movie have that aspect built in which is really nice oh gosh i need to yeah. concrete again and it's like it's weird because without getting like in the spoilers or anything especially with the ending because like Leading up to the ending, it's like just a powerhouse on the emotions. Mm-hmm. But the the growth you see in the characters, like not even just the main character, but the other characters that you kind of help throughout the story, it's like, whoa, like you you come to learn why certain characters acted a certain way to you at the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. right? And then later on, you're like, Oh, that's why they were mean to me. Oh, that's why they acted so weirdly. Like, it was so cool how you kind of felt like you were actually learning about these characters, even though, like, it wasn't, like, super in-depth. But I guess maybe because they were all relatable. Mm -hmm. Like, all these characters, in a way, felt relatable to people I've met in my life. And... It's kind of a bummer that this game came out at the beginning of the year because I feel like by now a lot of people have either forgotten it or it's kind of unnoticed. And I know that it was nominated uh, in the Game Awards, which was cool. I'm glad it was there because at least more people will see the name again. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, damn, like it's it's sad that I don't see it thrown around more. Because this game is just, it's fantastic. Like, it's, to me, when I think of, like, one of those powerful indie titles with a story, like, this is this year's game. And there there were definitely a lot of, like, a few of these kind of games that came out this year. But this one just felt so polished. Like, it felt, in a lot of ways, so well done with, everything i mean even like playing fetch with the dog and like all these like little mini games to make it feel like you're actually living in this rural little town was just crazy like i don't know if there's one game from like my list or of games i've played this year that i would tell anybody to play it would definitely this would be one of them yeah this one's because i know some people might not be into it but this is a game that anybody can play. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to be into shooter games. You don't need to be a strategist and like chess or things like that, right? Like this is a title that anybody can jump into and relate to. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. All right. What do you got for us next? So when I narrowed it down to three for this episode, the... The number three on my list was very hard to pick between two games because both of them hit a spot on me that the other one doesn't and that most games didn't this year. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to merge both of these together and I'll just, you know, 
briefly talk about them, especially because one of them you can't really talk about because it's just so out there. Mm. But so the one that's really out there that I've been really enjoying is a uh, void stranger. Oh yeah. Um, this game kind of came to me as a surprise because of most of the games that I had looked at for this year to play. This one was one I wasn't really thinking of getting into, nor did I think it would be interesting enough to be like on a like game of the year list. But this game is fascinating. And I don't mean that like in a bad way. It's more so like I don't understand kind of what's going on. I kind of do, but I kind of don't. And it's like, it's weird because like, so the premise of this game is you're in this like tower or structure. And I know most people don't know what Sokoban is, but basically you have to like move a block in order to get to the next staircase to go down to the next level. Mm -hmm. So in this game, it's grid based movement puzzles, so. grid based movement. You know, if you want to move left, like you turn left, but you can't turn on that same square. Like you have to go basically either two squares to the left and then turn back one to face right. Like it's not it. It adds that challenge where you can't just turn around real quickly. Like you have to actually go around. but. With that, you get a wand that can pick up one of these tiles and then move it over like an empty empty space so you don't fall down. And from my understanding, because I was the only thing I've looked up in this game is I was just like, how many floors are in this? And according to what I found, I am like just halfway, but I feel like with the halfway mark, there's so much I've experienced about this that's just kind of like confused me in such a it it's hard to really explain this game without really saying something that could spoil something mm. but what trips me out is that for me like they the save spaces right like um I think it was almost like twenty floors you had to get through. And then you, you pull up to a tree and it's like, do you want to rest? And you're like, yeah, sure. So it saves and it closes the game. And then when I booted up the next time, it I it had been like a day or two and I totally forgot what had happened. And it boots up in this totally different space. Oh, and you're like, you're like in this situation and then it ends up being a battle, which doesn't I wasn't expecting a battle in this game. Right. And I was like, what the fuck is going on with this game? <laughs> like, it, it was so weird. I'm like, is this what happened when I left off? Like, I'm, I, I'm not that forgetful about stuff. And then after that, like, sequence, I'm warped back to that tree. And then you continue on. And as you keep going further and further, like, the puzzles actually get kind of difficult. Because instead of just being normal tiles, there's tiles that are blocked by rocks. There's tiles that are glass that break after you step on them there's mm -hmm. monsters and the the timing of the puzzles and everything it just it it makes me feel smart when i accomplish one that's actually kind of challenging mm -hmm. and 
if this game is already like kind of in a way blown me away at the point that I'm at, I'm like, I can't wait to see how it ends because I've luckily avoided spoilers, but I've seen people like talking about it. And most of the people that have finished it are like, oh my God, this game's amazing. Like it's apparently there's a whole lot more to this game that I haven't seen that I'm like really curious about. And I also kind of hate that, you know, when you save and it closes, it's like knowing that there's going to be an interesting scene when I boot the game back up. I'm like, I just want to keep playing. But it to me, though, because even though I love puzzle games, this game can be kind of tiring because there's so many goddamn puzzles and floors between the, the save trees that I'm like, oh, my God, like I just I need to like step away for a minute. Mm-hmm. But the game is really you cool. You have to redo all those puzzles and floors, right? I th- yeah, I, I haven't tested it if you can just kind of exit, but I don't want to risk that either. Right. So I just I'm like, eh, you know, this this helps me progress. I'll. I'll get down another 20 floors and then take a break. It's actually in a way kind of perfect because it's like, oh, I hit the tree. I guess I can get off for the day. Mm. Like it's this would be the perfect game for like a switch, right? Like pick up, play, put it down. Right. Um, But yeah, like I this year had a lot of good puzzle games and it it's kind of made me interest in puzzle games again that i always have liked them but between like viewfinder this and a little bit of talus principle 2 and some older puzzle games i played this year i'm like man i i already told myself i want to go back and play a lot of old rpgs next year and i'm like damn now i kind of want to play some older puzzle games too but it'd be fun to play through some, like, especially the puzzle games that have like a more in-depth story to them or something like that. Or the... Yeah. Even like, like the witness, like mm-hmm. I honestly, I've never played the witness, even though people have told me to, but there's that. I want to play mist, you know, like I want to like, try that, that is older one stuff. series that I definitely like I've looked at and I've always seen it as a kid. And as a kid, I always thought it looked kind of boring, but yeah, Right, like, but I, I would love to go back now as an adult and see if maybe my tastes have changed, because <laughs> it, it is oh, an iconic, yeah. memorable game. Like that is a legendary title right there. That's one that just started a genre, right, and like really propelled it forward. And there's been so many missed games that there has to be something to it. So, yeah, that's the, yeah. That's people always hold that one up there for like this was like a big success story for like an independent developer. And I'm like, Oh, I kind of want to check it out. And that box art always was really cool as a kid. Yeah. The artwork behind it is phenomenal. And that's what always get me. And then I would look and I'm like, Oh, it's just still images. And then I would just like, stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you're I, like, I oh, know. you're just like, as a kid, just, Oh, you're just walking. Yeah. You know? As a kid, I was just like, Oh, whatever. But now I think I would actually enjoy that. <laughs> that's funny. But going in a different direction, so the other game that I've actually really fallen in love with the more I play this game, and kind of has the same premise in the sense that you're going through different floors, but uh, El Paso Everywhere, or Elsewhere, my bad. Mm -hmm. It's basically Max Payne. Mm -hmm. And as someone who really, really, really loved the original Max Payne, back in the day i've always wanted more of it 
And it's oddly enough, if you look around over the years, there hasn't really been anything like it, right? There's nothing with the, the, the jump dives and the bullet time, like nothing really done. Well, this game does it perfectly. And it's also in a lot of ways, you must this have not ties into the next then I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you heard kidding. about the news about time splitters, right? No, I didn't. So Embracer uh, closed the studio down because they were going to reboot it. Mm. Um, but that studio is no longer around. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. Time Splitters is another game I really want to play. I, I remember playing a little bit back in the day, but I never. Yeah, I never finished it, but I definitely played there a little bit. And like the action is just insane. <laughs> like, there's so much going on. Yeah, I need, that's one I really need to check out, too. But. This game, like, it's interesting because you look at it and you're like, oh, this is kind of like kind of low poly. Like, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of like PlayStation 2 kind of like era graphics. Yeah. That's like, what in it that. Looks like, yeah. And the inner dialogue is done so well, surprisingly. And the voice acting is actually really good, too. But. You are going down these floors to find your ex, who is a vampire. And, you know, your character has some issues, right? He's a he's a pill addict. And it becomes more apparent as you're going further down. But what's weird about this hotel that you're in, you realize as you're going down the floors, you're like, there's no ceiling. Oh, there's, there's weird stuff in the background. And the further down you go the stages just get crazier and you know thinking about the next game we'll talk about which it'll be obvious after bringing this up but with like max Payne and like the whole remedy verse that's going on and i feel like with the original max Payne, there wasn't too much remedy weirdness I feel like that didn't really exist until control kind of came around, Mm -hmm. but like the, the weird surreal stuff, I feel like it was there in max Payne, but wasn't, wasn't overboard. And I feel like this game takes that and throws it in that max Payne kind of gameplay. And it's just so good. It, feels like a game from the early two thousands, even with the music, like the music is kind of like kind of has some new metal in it. It has some rap. It has just rock. Like it has a lot of like cool music and you know, the gunplay is fun. And I mean, yeah, it can get kind of samey on some levels, but I just got to a new floor that totally changed the whole kind of layout. And you're like, Oh my God, like, there's a new weapon, there's a new floor. Like, it's just, it's, it's kept me hooked where I'm like, oh, I want to keep going. And this is a game also where I'm like, I was like, how many floors are there? Because I feel like I've spent, everyone's like, oh, we beat this game in like six hours, seven hours. And I'm like, I'm kind of approaching that at this point. I'm like looking at how many floors are in this game. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like just over halfway. But I'm like, Almost the same amount of time as most people completed in. So I'm like, I've been enjoying it though. Like, right. They're just, this they're game, just rushing through. You're exploring every nook and cranny. It, and it's weird because it's not like there's stuff to find. It's just like, I really like this atmosphere. And 
this game kind of surprised me. Like I played it during one of the next fests, and I think I remember talking about it in one of the episodes too. I believe so. And I was like, oh, I was thinking about it. Like, oh man, I really like this game. I can't wait to play it when it comes out. And I didn't realize it had came out. I think it came out October or early November. And I was like, oh my god, I need to play this. And uh, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it. But yeah, those those two games I feel are tied for my third place when it comes to like uh, obviously my like my games are not in any order of which one I think are better right over each other. I think even with last episode, a lot of those games like you know they could easily be talked about in today's episode too. Like I feel like this year I've had a good amount of games played where I'm like. These are all been pretty awesome. It's it's been a good year for like the games that have come out, you mm-hmm. know. Agreed. A hundred percent. All right. So my next one, and like you said, there's no particular order to this, because it can kind of I mean, they're all I feel like my three games are very different. <laughs> and so they're like number one in their own specific categories or for what mm. they did, right? And uh so the next one I want to talk about is actually a DLC pack. It's uh, the Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty uh, DLC. And this DLC was, it's basically its own damn game, right? Like, it's huge. There's so much going on. They introduced so many new characters, so much different plot lines. It even adds a new ending to the game itself. And I, I absolutely loved my time with Cyberpunk. I love the environment, just the, the settings themselves, the character designs. Like every character I actually like gave a crap about. They did such a, a great job with that. Like you, the interactions you have with Songbird and trying to save the president and everything. And I mean, come on, freaking Idris Elba in there, right? Like they did such a phenomenal job capturing everything and making you actually care about the situation that's going on. Uh, you feel the weight and the gravity of it all. And who doesn't love like the premise of Phantom Liberty is just so amazing. And it, you are living through like Escape from New York or like classic action movies. Like it's it's nuts. So like a plane comes crashing down in Dogtown and guess who's on it? The president of the United fucking States. And you get reached out to uh, by Songbird to try and help the president escape Dogtown. Right. And it, like Dogtown is nuts because it's basically no man's land. There's no real laws. There are uh, there's a separate faction that is in charge of Dogtown specifically, and it's basically just martial law in this small area. I say small, but it's rather big. But it's like in the middle of this whole city, there's Dogtown, which is just total martial law, and people just know uh, don't go there, right? Like <laughs> unless you want to get into a fight, unless you are trying to do something real shady or whatever it is, you don't really mess around in Dogtown. Right. And it shows because Dogtown is hostile as hell. Like everything there wants to fight you. So at all times, you are basically looked at as being suspicious. So you have to really think about that. And I had to reload to save at one point because I, I hopped out of a, I got, I jumped out of a building and this guy, which I didn't realize was an enforcer at the time, shot me. So I just killed him real quick. And then all of a sudden, I had, like, I kid you not, it felt like I had, like, 50 people swarm me all at the same time. 
they had like cars, artillery, all this stuff. There's a helicopter. I'm like, holy shit. And then I got like a notification saying like most wanted man in Dogtown. I'm like, oh my God, the entire city is red. Like everything is coming out to get me. So that aspect was really cool to see all that. But I think what really sold me on it was the story itself and how many twists and turns and how many different possible ways you can play through Phantom Liberty. Uh, There's a lot of choices that you can make in there to actually change the overall outcome of the entire thing. And there are ways in which you can actually lock out the ending from Phantom Liberty that gets added into the ending of the main game itself. So the way it all ties in is very well done. Like it is a alternative to V's problem. Uh, They give you a way out, another one. And it kind of felt perfect because at the time I was playing it, I got right up to the point of the normal end game, right? Where you can go through the, you know, the, the, the main ending that was already presented beforehand and all that good stuff, right? But this gave me another option. And now I had two choices that I can go down, two branching choices. And what I really enjoyed about this was the furthering of the connection with Johnny Silverhands, right? Keanu Reeves' character in this. Uh, he was already, like, at first he was annoying me, and then he really grew on me, and then I started to kind of care about the character. Uh, but then with Phantom Liberty, you have more conversations and it feels more genuine and you can tell that Silverhands doesn't want you to die either, but he doesn't want to take, right? Like y- you get more of that feeling out of it all, which is really nice. And the ending for it, I don't want to spoil too much, but you have a very like a major heart to heart with Johnny and he mm. doesn't a hundred percent want you to go through this because he knows that it means the end for him 100%, right? Like it's kind of, he's scared and he shows his genuine fear, which I really, it it just made him more human and made everything just a little bit more believable. And what was nice too is like this DLC just has legendaries everywhere, which is really cool. I I mean, who doesn't want a legendary weapon or gear or whatever (laughs) it may be? They add in new gear as well, like new, um, uh, new equipment that you can wear, like, helmets that boost your hacking skills and stuff like that and you look like an actual like robotic hacker it looks pretty trippy but they they added in a lot of really cool like little touches like that so this dlc is basically a game all on its own and the fact that it dropped with the 2.0 release of cyberpunk which stabilized everything and then you get this on top of that like it just made my experience with cyberpunk that much better and just yeah i i love this one there is so much built into this so good so much fun to play i really want to play it um i played cyberpunk when it first came out even when it was really broken Mm -hmm. and i honestly really liked it back then i understood why people were mad Right, it was just like No Man's Sky that it was promised all this stuff, and most of it wasn't there. Yeah, but I still really liked the story and everything about it. And then when the two point came out, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna play a little bit of this." Not not re not totally start the game because I had finished it, but I had liked everything they had changed. And then I had telling myself, "Should I get the DLC?" Because I'm like thirty dollars for DLC. I'm like, like. It's steep. After now seeing how long it is, I'm mm-hmm. like, it's worth it, you know? Yeah. But, um, and the way you talk about it, I'm like, oh, I, I, I definitely want to play it, you know? Cause I, 
I enjoyed the story enough, and when I first played it, I kind of hated Johnny Silverhands mm-hmm. for some weird reason. I was kind of like, kind of is kind of annoying. Yeah. But well, they make as him the a, game the, went on a prick in the beginning, and he they make him feel like he's heartless and he doesn't give a shit about anybody. But mm-hmm. the fact that like you're probably gonna dive into it, but like that it's just a mask that he's wearing, right? It's yeah, yeah. he becomes more real, and you know his ego just goes smaller and smaller. And if the DLC shows more of that, like I'm very interested. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's cool how they like reworked like the police system in that because it, it used to be pretty bad. Like that really was like one of the worst parts that I remember playing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, everything I've heard about this DLC has been just crazy. I mean, I've been seeing it on people's lists too, where it's like, you know, oh, they're actually including this as like they're almost treating Cyberpunk as a whole new game, which. In a lot of ways, I could see that because not just graphically, but gameplay and everything mm-hmm. and this DLC being longer than a lot of other AAA games. Like, it just makes sense. And it's definitely, I think, I mean, your next game is also another one I need to play. Yeah. But I'm like, maybe I should bump out this DLC because I'm like, I'll get this one done faster. Yeah. You know, it's like a quick 10 but, to 15 hours that it adds in. So it's not too bad. But, I mean, an extra 10 to 15 hours in Cyberpunk is not a bad thing. And it it makes it feel like that $30 price tag is not too bad, right? Because there's plenty of games out there that are seven hours that are, you know, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, or even 60 sometimes, for right? Like, I mean, look at the Titanfall 2 campaign. That was three hours. (laughs) Like, that was nothing, which is upsetting. But, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, we we have become okay with shorter games costing the same amount as, you know, they're costing 60 bucks and that's insane to me. And then you get games like the, you know, like cyberpunk that added, I think I have played maybe close to 60 hours in cyberpunk. Mm -hmm. In my opinion for an action game, that's pretty damn long, you know, like, but there is a lot I could do. So I could keep diving into it and do every single side quest and everything, which I didn't do every single one, but I did a lot, you know, but yeah, no, Phantom Liberty yeah, feels think, like a brand new game. I think I had ended up clocking like 60 hours in it because I had done pretty much all the side quests, or I thought I did. When I booted it up recently, I was like, oh my God, there's still a bunch that I haven't done. Because it's like, once you beat the game, you know, you go back in it and I think it warps you to like the mission right before. Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, there's a bunch of side stuff I hadn't touched. And I was like, oh, were those added like post-launch there were some that got added with the 2.0 release and then there's even more that get added in with the dlc as well yeah yeah and that game i the other thing that really made me spend more time with it was just how beautiful it is like i have always loved the cyberpunk aesthetic and i feel like a lot of games don't they're very generic right Mm -hmm. neon lights all that kind of stuff like it's cool but this game did it in a way where I was like, wow, this is actually really beautiful to walk around in. Mm-hmm. And that's the other reason why I'm like, oh, I want the DLC just so I have another excuse to like see a new area. Because I get it. 
a part of me is like, oh man, I hate that half the map is like a desert because I want more cool structures, cool buildings. But when you look at the size of the city, it's like, oh no, there's still a whole lot there. It's like massive, man. It's and you know, going back to one of her past episodes, the introspection, like being in the taxi cab and hearing that and just I guess they added like a metro in there now too, like a few days ago. That's crazy. Um it's it's cool. Like I think as more time goes on after this release, I'm like more and more interested in it. You know, it's like at first I was like when the when this DLC came out, I was like, oh my god, I'm like juggling so many other games right now. And now that my like stuff is kind of clearing up, I'm like, oh, this game does sound good. Mm-hmm. So I might actually check it out soon. Yeah, and the revamp of the leveling up system is amazing too. The skill tree is much better now. Stats actually make sense, right? <laughs> like because before it was, oh, yeah, level this up and you get a 0.02 increase to handgun fire rate. It's like, really? That's nothing, right? Like, that that number yeah. means that, that doesn't mean shit to me <laughs> at this point. But no, like, the upgrades actually feel like they they do something now. And it's it's pretty cool to figure out how to spec your character out. So, yeah, it's a good one. All right, where are we heading to next? What do you got? So... For my favorite game that I've played this year, and I know I've talked about it too, um, I don't. I remember when I was in that solo episode. I think I was just finishing it, and I didn't really get to talk about my final thoughts on it. But I still think Alan Wake Two is my most favorite game I've played this year, especially narratively. Um, To me, this game is almost a hundred percent perfect the the things in it that don't make it a hundred percent you know they're minor you know i i could easily look past it i do see other people also give this criticism about it so i know i'm not alone in this thought but the combat is kind of lackluster and a part of me gets it because, you know, the combat's not the important part of the game. Mm-hmm. The, the narrative is, but... Well, that was a complaint when you from the first one as well, right? Like, the combat felt weird? Yeah, the first one felt weird because it was just like, you gotta shine your light, weaken them, and then you can shoot. Mm-hmm. And there'd be times where you're just getting swarmed in the first one. And I, I recently played the first one um, to completion, and you know in the end i liked it like i liked what was there you know it definitely did feel a little dated but it was still like interesting and to see how this sequel connects a lot of remedies other games into it it was kind of awesome Mm -hmm. actually um they so they're older games like max Payne series and quantum leap aren't connected to this but all of the alan wake you know the first game the dlcs and control are connected to this mm-hmm. and throughout the game you start seeing how they are right with obviously alan wake 2 or the first one it the ending this is right after it 
the DLC in Alan Wake 1, the American Nightmare, where you experience kind of like the main antagonist, uh, Mr. Scratch. He, he's in this game, too. And then with Control, because that game deals with the, you know, paranormal and supernatural, obviously they're going to be in this game, too, especially with that DLC connecting to it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it it feels so crazy to have played these games and see how they connect in not just the obvious ways, but even super small details where you're like, oh, my God, like they connected this to that. Like, it's so fascinating. And as someone who's a big fan of Twin Peaks, like this game does nod very heavily to that mm-hmm. and does it in such a way that you know a lot of people will look at deadly premonition as like the twin peaks game which in a lot of ways it is but this game really i feel like just is like a love letter to it in a lot of ways and you know looking back at what i was saying about the gameplay like yeah the combat is kind of like tiresome but the story and just the exploration just make up for it. The the beautiful visuals of walking through the forest when it's not super scary at night, mm-hmm. right? When it's kind of sunny or kind of rainy and foggy, like it just feels so real. And playing with headphones, you hear the sounds, you feel like a oneness with the surroundings. And... Like the there's one map called Watery where it's like uh, there's this coffee amusement park, uh, a lighthouse, and this little town on the water. And at one point in the game, that whole map gets very foggy, and the way the the fog layer comes in, where it's like very hard to see, mm-hmm. like. Think Silent Hill 1, but like where instead of making up for like graphical weakness, this is like, no, this is just a thick fog. Like, good luck. It's not just a gray wall. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, dude, this is amazing. Like it, it felt so good. And at times like it was very freaky and for better or for worse, because I've seen some people complain about this. It really does take a lot of the the core mechanics of early survival horror like playstation 2 era in the sense that the puzzles the i guess gameplay too it it feels a lot of that era Mm -hmm. which you know for me i like that era of horror games but some people feel like it's kind of like a roadblock in a sense Mm. but the it it doesn't really get in the way too much. But with the story, it's it's hard to really get too into it without like kind of spoiling something about it because it, it really does go a lot of different ways. But the the parallels between Alan and Saga is that he's stuck in this like dark, kind of like New York kind of like city block and it 
it's gorgeous, right? Because it's just a small area, they can really make it look good. Mm -hmm. And it's just the lights shining off the water and the creepiness of the subway system. It's, it's interesting because there's like these echoes kind of sprinkle around the map that when you look at them, the, the detective, uh, it's a like FMV playing in the, it's weird to describe this because it's not playing in front of say the building you're looking at, but it's like a very, like, imagine if someone is aiming like a projector at a wall, but it's not flat. Mm. Like it feels like that person's walking. Like to me, this game is showing the evolution of what an FMV game could be. Right. And I think that's what sold me on this game when I first saw trailers on it. Because when this when I first heard about this game, I didn't have any interest in it. Because I mean it's Alan Wake, right? Like mm-hmm. it always was kind of clunky to me and I was like, eh, this I mean it'll be cool, but it it won't be that crazy. And right. then once I started seeing like how a real actor gets blended in to actual like 3D, you know, like a 3D game, mm-hmm. it it felt unreal. Like it really felt like this is the evolution of blending reality with 3D. And in a lot of ways I thought like say Kojima would do something like that cuz I feel like he is the person that wants to create live action with 3d but this game did it in such a way that if people were to look at games as cinema and a lot of people do with sony properties this game feels like cinema Mm -hmm. in that it's just so well done and the story is really interesting and fascinating and once you I feel like you kind of understand what's going on pretty early. It's more so there's a lot of twists and a lot of things you don't understand until obviously later on in the game, but it was enough to hook me. Like I didn't play anything else. I basically played like, I think I beat it in almost like two days, maybe three days. Cause I was just so into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that short. It's like, I feel, feel like i spent 15 hours in it that's not bad maybe almost 20 yeah like it was the in a lot of ways it was the perfect length if you weren't trying to like get lost like i i was able to 100 percent it and yeah to me it's it's a game that i would love everyone to experience just because of a lot of the ideas that are put forth Mm -hmm. but i also know that it's not a game for everyone either it being too scary or too slow i guess Mm. but even just watching a video and seeing the the fidelity and a lot of the work that went into this game it's like i it makes me excited for the future of games if you know, more games do this, especially like AAA. Like if they go all out like this game did, mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, no, it looks amazing, and it's definitely a game that's on my radar. 
have not checked it out yet, but definitely want to. So, yeah, especially after hearing you talk about it. Like, yeah, it looks phenomenal. And just watching some gameplay of it, you know, seeing how in one area you walk into a room and you happen to go through a door and it puts you right back out in the street. And it's like, oh, like that was a trippy twist, right? Like how the game loops you back and forth and jumping between these two like alternate worlds between the both characters and stuff like it's very interesting so yeah i'm i'm very uh, very curious about this one definitely will be checking it out all right so my final list for me and it's going to come as no surprise and i won't go too too far into it right because i I really want us to do a full episode on this one. I uh, just need you to yeah. beat it, you know. But uh, Baldur's Gate Three. I mean, this one was on everybody's list, and it's no surprise at all. The from the voice acting to the storyline to the visuals, this game really surprised me with how many people were into it. Right, like it is a. I would typically think that this gameplay style is not for everyone. But the way that Baldur's Gate 3 made it so easy for people to dive into, I mean, I'm not too, too surprised because Divinity was such an amazing game as well. And it had a lot of great, you know, a lot of people really love that one. But Baldur's Gate hit a whole nother level where there are so many people who have not played this style of game and are really digging it. And it's even opening up more paths of like people really being into Dungeons and Dragons now, right? Like it's, it's making it more mainstream, bringing it to the front of the conversations. And I just had a blast with it. The sheer amount of customization you can do in this game is insane. The what you can do with your party members and the fact that you can solo this and kill everybody or do whatever you want to do. Right. You can even dark urge this thing like there's a lot to it. There's a lot. There's a couple of different possible endings that you can do as well, like. I really, really enjoyed this game. I, I sat through and I usually with games every once in a while, I'll play a game and then, you know, kind of bounce back and forth between a couple, depending on what mood I'm in for one. This one I played constant. This is the only game that I was playing because I was like, I need to beat this title. I need to continue and I need to beat it. And as soon as I finished it, I was like, oh, so what am I going to do for my second run through? Right. Like I was already thinking about that of like, what can I do differently? And it, just the sheer amount of ways that you can tackle a problem is really interesting. Like uh, very early on, you, one of the first things you have to do is encounter the the goblin encampment and figure out how you're going to deal with that. Uh, because the goblins and the druids are basically fighting and you kind of have to pick a side, right? And you could side with the goblins or you can side with the druids. It depends on what you do, right? Like your actions really do mean something in this game. Uh, and NPCs will remember that and they will help you or not help you. And actually, like the ending of this game is crazy because the connections that you make throughout the game do come back uh, and in a very interesting way, in a very really cool way. And it makes it that much more like cinematic and epic and just makes the scale of the final uh, like final parts and the final fight that much greater. Uh, and it's it's really cool to see a lot of NPCs coming back and stuff like that. So I luckily, I mean, I I consider it lucky. I did go for a normal, like kind of good playthrough. So I had a lot of actual NPCs that wanted to come back and help me out in the end, which was really great. Uh, but yeah, it was a really, really amazing time playing through this one. And just the there's so much there's so much. And I feel like I did a lot, but 
at the same time, I feel like I could have done even more, right? And yeah, this game does fall into it. And the, the probably the biggest complaint about it is that Act 1 is astronomical and then Act 2 is good and then Act 3 is a fun playthrough, right? Like it it seems to kind of taper off a little bit, but the ending itself, I think, this the just the scale of the final part is it kind of makes up for all of that and I, I don't know even though it the path wasn't as clear in act three of exactly what to do and it didn't feel like there was any time constraints really anymore i i still had a blast just exploring the city itself and one of my biggest things that i really enjoyed was the fact that npcs felt like they were alive that they had a life outside of my actions, that they weren't just waiting for me to talk to them. They were actually doing things. Like if I didn't show up for a conversation in time, like I could just have like not get that conversation at all. Or maybe they got, you know, hunted by bandits and I could have saved them at some point if I just kind of rushed over to that area beforehand instead of just lollygaggling around. So I, that's the one thing I like about Baldur's Gate is that it does it it wants you to explore the game but then it also makes you feel as if time is still moving forward so lay your path out appropriately like it's not like a typical video game right it's it's real life if someone is held hostage and you go oh well there's like 10 side quests i wanted to take care of real quick and let me go level grind real fast and then i'll come back to this right like that's not real life. That person's dead, right? And if you do that in Boulder's Gate, there's a high possibility that, yeah, that person will be dead and it could lock out some conversations. But, you know, there's ways around that, you know, with speak with dead spells and all that. So there, there's a lot baked into this. And they did such an amazing job with the mechanics, the looks, all of it. I, I adore Boulder's Gate. But as far as like story stuff and all that and uh, going over playthrough styles and who we had on our campaign and everything, I, I figured we'll just hold that off to a, a full Boulder's Gate episode so we can get into like the nitty gritties and things like that. But yeah, I, it's no surprise that this is at the top of my list. Uh, and it, I mean, it's at the top of almost everybody's list at this point. So yeah, it was a great title. Yeah, I. It's not that I'm intimidated by the game. I, I'm always interested in these kind of games. It's more so I'm like, a part of me. So I, there's people I know that want to play co-op. So I'm like, oh, that'd be great. I'm also thinking, hmm, you know, just like real life D and D, we all have to be there. Yeah. How often can and you get I don't want to. Yeah. It, and this is one of those games where like like I've already played a little bit, right? Like I, I've been playing a Dark Urge character, though I've been putting it off for other games. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm still really early in the game. But the little bit that I played, I've loved it. Like I, I want to experience it more. I don't know in the end if I want this Dark Urge character to be the first character I beat the game with, just because I haven't been playing totally evil just because I do want to have all my party members. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm like thinking, oh, I'll just play nicely in my co-op session. I'm like, oh, I'll just be totally evil. Mm -hmm. But I love that this game being evil, it it's like you can be really, really good, good, bad, or really, really bad. You know, and it's something that I like. It's like, 
I can be really evil if I want to be. Mm-hmm. And it, it does, like I said before, it doesn't intimidate me. It just makes me think like, oh, I really want to see everything. And I know this is one of those games that it's like, oh, you can't see everything on your first run, but I want to. You can still see a lot, but yeah, you can't see everything. Yeah, so that's why I'm like, maybe I should just like make my first playthrough kind of neutral good. But yeah, I I'm playing Warlock for my Dark Urge, and I really, really like my character a lot. Like, I feel like my team is like really strong for what I was doing, mm-hmm. but I know that once I get into it, I'll I'll be sucked in. That's why I'm like, I don't. I don't want to have to wait for other people. Right. You know, like this, I'm fine doing that with other games, but with this game, it's like, I want to spend my day off playing eight hours of this. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's not one of those games where I'm like, okay, let's play together for two hours and then put it down. Cause I'm like, it's not enough time. No, I want more, you know, the one hour is going to get me through the menus, you know, (laughs) like exactly. It, every time I've played it, it's like I'll put in four hours and I'm like, oh, my God, I barely have left this map. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I just got out of this, the ruins like it, it's insane, like the amount. And I mean, my knowledge in computer RPGs like this is very low. Right. I've always been more of a Japanese role playing game person or even just like Western RPGs like like shooters like fallout and stuff like i've always been more on that side so when it comes to this isometric top down turn based it's still kind of new to me but i i like it you know it is very different from finding a random battle like i love turn based and honestly the past few months i've been getting a lot more into them again mm-hmm. and it's you know kind of looking over you know, everyone's list obviously has this game at the top. But when it won at the Game Awards, there were so many people like, how did this win? Like, it's turn-based. And it it's interesting because you look at a lot of people and, like, granted, a majority, you know, a lot of people love this game. But there's still a huge pe- amount of people out there that hate turn-based games. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating how well this game did. And, you know, I'm always, like... I love all kinds of games, but turn-based for me, it's always kind of like, not just nostalgic, but I like planning. I like thinking. And this game, it, from the little battles that I've done, it's, I love the strategy in this. Mm -hmm. It, it's like XCOM, but you know, a little bit faster paced and cooler. And I'm really excited to finally jump into it and see everything about it. I, I, after hearing about the huge epilogue that they just put in, I'm like, yeah, that thinking, makes me oh, it's perfect it that I waited off. I know. I'm bummed. I went in during after one of the patches. I got to the end mm-hmm. and I got a little bit more. But now it's like, ah, crap. They added even more to the ending. Now I need to play it again. But yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it, it blows my mind that people are like, really turn based this game one. I mean, 22 million copies were sold. Mm-hmm. 22 million that's insane and when you compare it to something like final fantasy 16 which is an amazing title and i didn't talk about it during the honorable mentions it's been kind of floating in between right like my game of the years my top threes because that definitely was one of my favorite games as well so i wish i put in honorable mentions but 
that only sold 4 million copies. So 22 million versus 4 million when it comes to like a massive RPG game. Like that's, that speaks bounds, man. That's crazy. So You want to know something crazy? Mm-hmm. 22 million copies, right? Mm-hmm. Think about this. In, Calif- in the state of California, there's almost 40 million people living here. Mm-hmm. Imagine if half of a whole big state just play a bowlers game. Yeah. That's nuts. Like, more copies sold than most people live in other states. It's bonkers. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And the fact that they're still adding to it, right? They're they're still making changes, and they're actually listening to the fan base and adding things in, like these uh, these like the added epilogues, because they actually had that epilogue in beforehand, but they took it out because they felt that it took too long and it took away from the win that you just accomplished. And the fact that players wanted more, they're like, oh, crap. Well, let's polish this up and let's let's give you more. Like, everybody just wants more. So it, it's great that they are listening, which is nice. Do you think Act 3 still needs work? Because that was something I kept hearing. A little bit. From my playthrough, yeah. Because Act 1 and 2 had components out of it where, like, you felt like you actually had to work on this, right? Like... There was a mm. there was a time frame, but when you walk into Act Three, the first thing it says is like, "Oh, well, like you need to go talk to this guy." It's like, "Okay, cool." Like you're it's during his uh, coronation ceremony, right? He's being deemed the Duke or whatever of Boulder's Gate. It's like, "Okay, mm-hmm. great, sounds wonderful." I went back 15 hours later. I was like, "Whatever, man." And they're still in the coronation hall, right? Like stuff like that. Whereas, mm. like for the the rest of the game, that whole situation would have played out, no problem. But for some reason that they make it so that like it's okay to just keep going. Like don't worry about it. You can come back whenever you feel like it kind of thing, right? So it was kind of interesting. I kind of wish that it, it had forced me to at least go to the ceremony because it's not like it led or locked out anything going to it. It was just a conversation that was had and kind of just added more to the lore itself. But I was worried that it might lead to a fight, so I just kind of avoided it and explored as much as I possibly could, which turns out to be the entirety of Act 3 up until that point, right? So I did absolutely everything, and then I went and did that. So that was the only time in which it felt more like older games and not like the pacing that Baldur's Gate has had from Act 1 and 2. That's what I would say. But besides that, I mean, Act 3 had a lot in it, like a lot of stuff. But you had to kind of go and look for it. It wasn't really like laid out in front of you super well, I would say. Mm. But still very fun. I mean, just going around actual boulders, it was great. So, yeah. We'll see if they'll be able to change that up. I mean, they're going to keep adding stuff to it and everything. So it's kind of a hard, like, especially with this day and age, it's hard to like pick a good time to go into a game, right? Because it's same thing with cyberpunk, right? It's you played it in the very beginning and then all of a sudden this DLC comes out and it changes the whole game because it's like smack dab in the middle of the playthrough. It's not like attack on at the end or anything like that. And with these updates that Baldur's Gate is giving, it's stuff that changes the core gameplay itself. Right. And then also adds things at the end for the people who have beaten it. So it's kind of like, oh, well, would I I would have or would I have enjoyed that? Well, during my initial playthrough. Right. So it's kind of. I would just say just jump in now because it doesn't really matter. It's still an amazing game. 
it you know and then you can always revisit later if you really want to that's what i would say all right well that's gonna do it for us this week we have talked about some big big titles you know we talked about space for the unbound void stranger cyberpunk phantom liberty el paso elsewhere alan wake 2 and Baldur's gate 3 uh which are you know our picks for the top games of this year and it has been an amazing year in gaming uh but there and we're just excited to see that trend continue into 2024 hopefully these games keep getting bigger and bigger as they move along so you know we're pretty excited and for the next episode just a little sneak peek teaser into it uh we're going to be discussing some of our you know goals for 2024 uh what games we're excited about what games we want to revisit things like that so it's going to be a nice little recap of 2023 and a goals of 2024 episode to hearken the new year so we will talk to you guys then and until then bye for now